so willing and able to help you. So bring all your needs to the Lord. Amen. Let's put it in the key of G. We'll speed it up just a little bit this evening. And let's sing songs since I saw my name. Since I saw my name in the book of redemption, since I saw my name in the book, I have communion now with Christ my Redeemer. Oh, since I saw my name in the book, and since I saw my name. In the book of redemption, since I saw my name in the book, I have communion now with Christ my Redeemer. Oh, since I saw my name in the book, and since I saw my name in the book of redemption, since I saw my name in the book I have communion now with Christ my Redeemer all since I saw my name in the book oh and I'm one of the few oh one of the few and by faith in God's word I can claim it though the way may seem long Though the opposition strong for the bride, there's a way provided. If I plan to go through, just to hope will not do. I must be firmly decided to follow the Lord by obeying His word and believe that I'm one of the I'm one of the few, one of the few, and by faith in God's word I can claim it. Though the way may seem long, though the opposition strong, for the bride there's a way provided. If I plan to go through, just to hope will not do. I must be firmly decided to follow the Lord by obeying His Word and believe that I'm one of the few. If I plan, and if I plan to go through, just to hope will not do. I must be firmly decided. obeying His Word and believe that I'm one of the few. Amen. We'll go ahead and change the order of our service now. Let's put it in the key of F. And let's just sing uh, There is None Like You before we take uh, some needs before the Lord. So there is none like you. 
And no one else can touch my heart like you do Oh, I could search for all eternity, Lord And find that there is none like you can touch my heart like you do and I can search for all eternity Lord and find there is none like you Amen. You may have your seats for just a moment. If you would just continue to play that, sister. We just want to uh, remember the drums this evening who are not with us, so we just want to remember them in prayer. And uh, also, I have here that uh, Hans Florian is sick uh, this evening, so we just want to remember them. Also, I have here to continue to remember Sister Sherry, uh, and just to also remember Sister Mary Smith, who's not well as well. So we just want to remember them and continue to remember them. Uh, the Whitlocks are not able to be with us this evening, so we just want to remember them. And uh, also, if you would, uh, remember Brother Matt, who is away for work, as well as my dad, Brother Keith. So we just want to remember them, that God would give them safe traveling mercies. And I have here that uh, the Hugheses are recovering, but I see them in the back there, so maybe that's that's a good thing. So, uh, But just uh, continue to remember them and all of these prayer requests. So, and I know we all have unspoken prayer requests as well, just by the lifting of your hands. And if I could have uh, Brother Jaron come up and pray over these prayer requests, and if you would just stand with us at this time also. Man, it's good to see everyone. Let's bow our heads and go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we just bow our heads and our hearts, Lord, to reverence you, Lord, to honor you, Lord, we just worship you in spirit and truth, Lord, Lord, we just invite you to come into our presence tonight, Lord, in the middle of this week, God, with all the chaos that surrounds us, God, we just feel like we've reached an oasis, Lord, of, Lord, just being in your presence for a few minutes, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just touch each heart and mind tonight, Lord, that you would just chase away any doubt or fear or anxiety or oppression of the enemy in any kind of way, Father. Lord, may your people be free to just experience your presence once more, Lord. I pray that you would just take control of this service tonight, Lord, that you would speak to each heart, Lord. I pray that you would just lay a word, Lord, upon the minister's heart for each individual, Lord. Lord, for we all have needs, Lord. We all have questions, Lord, and I know there's an answer to each one. Father, I pray for these prayer requests that are before me, Lord. We think of the Drum family and Brother Joseph, Lord. And Lord, we pray for him and the family there that you would just touch them, give them strength. God, that you would strengthen Brother Joseph, God. We think of Sister Mary Smith, Lord, that you would just bless her and touch her, Lord, as she's recovering, God. Lord, I pray for my aunt, uh, Sherry, and 
cousin Karen, Lord, in the hospital, Lord, and all that they're going through, Jesus, I pray that you would just have mercy upon their situation, God. Lord, there's many others. Lord, people are traveling away from our assembly, Lord. We miss each each one of them, God, and we just pray for their traveling mercies, God, that you would bring them back to our assembly, Lord. Father, we just pray that you would meet every need, Father, that's spoken tonight. Lord, we have faith in your word that it would be so, Lord. We commit them all to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's sing this song, um, Sweet Holy Spirit, Sweet Heavenly Dove. And you may have your seats. It's the same key. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place, and I know that it's the Sing that song, Turn Your Eyes, same key.
I'm sorry, uh, put it in D. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Oh, so turn, turn your eyes upon And His grace 
I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face, and surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Sing it one more time now. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. His mighty power Bibles tonight. Let's go to Psalm 118. Let's begin there tonight. May God bless you. Good to have you all in the house of the Lord uh, tonight. Appreciate you coming, taking time to exercise your Christian right and privilege to be able to come and gather with these people. And uh, I'm, I'm honored that you came. Psalm 118. We'd like to read just a couple of verses there tonight. We spend a little bit of time in this psalm on Sunday, and it's a great psalm. There's a lot of prophecy actually in this psalm, but I'd like to just take a statement out of here uh, tonight. Verse 27, God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, and I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let's say that last verse together. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Great Holy Spirit, we invite you, Lord, to come and pour yourself out upon us 
And Lord, to speak to every heart. Break the bread of life and fill our cups, Lord. We commit our time into your hands tonight. There are many needs. There will always be many needs. But Lord, you're a God who satisfies every need and every longing in every heart. And so, Lord, we commit the needs of your people into your care. And Father, we pray that you would just speak to us through your word tonight. In Jesus' lovely name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. God bless you. I wanted to mention just a couple of very quick things. Uh, Sister Sherry Holly is back in the hospital. Sister Chanel has been doing a great job at uh, helping in the situation, and uh, Sister Sherry uh, has a number of complications that were not resolved in the last hospital visit, and so uh, we sure want to remember her in prayer and just trust that the Lord will uh, undertake for her. Her desire is certainly not to be in the hospital. Uh, It is uh, to be in church and to be with her family, and so we want to pray that way. Uh, we also have, uh, you know, we live in a situation where living this close to Charlotte, we've got a number of people who are in the process of moving or deciding about moving, uh, you know, relocating in the area because uh, everything about rent is increasing and housing prices and so on. It won't stay that way forever, but uh, there are several people that are here and associated with the church that are uh, considering uh, all those factors and making decisions, so... Uh, we just want you to know that we're uh, praying for uh, you individuals and just trust that the Lord will lead you and guide you because it is an important decision for sure. All right, I'd like to jump right in and uh, I want to do like one or two screens of review and then I want to uh, uh, show you a principle and then we want to work with that principle uh, this this evening here and see how far uh, we will go. The The text tonight uh, gives God the, uh, the authorship of light. He is the one who shows us light. Uh, and what we want to discover or what we want to discuss is this whole idea about walking in light. How do we do it? What does it look like when we walk in light? I think it would be pretty obvious to, to know what it's like when someone walks in darkness. Right? Because you're going to do the uh, you're going to do things that people do in the dark. But when it comes to walking in the light, uh, we want to know exactly what does God require and how do we actually walk in the light. Because walking in the light is important, as you'll see from the scripture. And we've used this one uh, in all three of the services so far. So let me just uh, read it for you. Uh, this then is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So walking in the light has consequences, right? If we don't walk in the light, that has consequences as well, because the blood of Jesus Christ would not be accessible to us, and we would not have the right kind of fellowship, and there's other things that we could associate that, but... You cannot say, as we read in verse 6 there, if we say that we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness. So if we say one thing and walk a certain way, then there's a contradiction there. There's a conflict there. It doesn't, uh, it, 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 let, me, let me say it this way. It's not as impressive as to how well you say it. It is more impressive as to how well you live it. 
how well you walk it. Because lots of people are good talkers, just like lots of people are good emailers, or just people are good texters. And uh, just like uh, many times I've checked into a hotel based on the website design. And I realized, ha, you know what? They were good website, website designers. That's all they were. And we can be deceived by things that people say or people express, but their walk is a different thing. But remember now, God is not looking at your confession or your expression. God's looking at the heart. So there's a difference here. And what we want to make sure of is that the walk does not start from our mouth, and the walk does not start from, uh, you know, uh, acting on what we think would be appropriate, but we want to let the soul realm dictate how we live. We want to let, we want to live out of the soul realm. We want to live out of the third realm. Does that make sense to everybody? All right. This is what, this is what our challenge is, but we need to, we need to have some good scriptural examples as to what that looks like. Now, in the Old Testament, as I've said to you before, the old, uh, the, the, the word itself was light. It was the mind of God expressed. And you could know what God thought about something uh, by looking at his word. If you wanted to have an idea how God felt about things, you look at the uh, two stone tablets that uh, God gave Moses on top of the mount there. They were an expression from God. They were his writing. And thy word, David said, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Just having the word itself was not sufficient to overcome all the temptations and trials that we faced in life. And if you don't believe that, ask David when you see him. But in the New Testament, the difference is that we see that the word being lived out is light. The word lived out is light. In him, Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. And so our, we, have a, we have an intrinsic difference here uh, between Old Testament and New Testament because of the new birth. Right? Because that's how Christ lives inside a human being. All right, now, in our text here, we read as uh, David writes here that God is the Lord and he shows us light. Therefore, bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. In the, uh, in the common Jewish Bible, that's what CJB means, the common Jewish Bible me- it says it this way, Adonai is God and he gives us light. Join in the pilgrim festival or join in the journey with branches all the way to the horns of the altar. The goal is to live in the presence of God. The goal is to get to the presence of God. And there is only one God. And in, in him is light. In him is truth. In him is peace. In him is joy. All of those things exist in God. And so therefore, uh, this is what the Jewish uh, goal was, if you like. Or this is the way that David expressed it. That we want to join together... And we want to uh, move into the presence of God. Now, in the Old Testament, we know that only one person could go into the presence of God, and he was a representative of the children of Israel. He was the high priest. He went into the presence of God uh, with the uh, breastplate, and each one of those stones represented a tribe of the children of Israel. And when he went in and sprinkled the blood and so forth, there was a covering for sin for that year. Before he went in, though, he offered sacrifices. 
And those sacrifices were uh, intended to, uh, you know, satisfy the wrath of God. And you know the, you know the imagery. This is the, uh, this is the approach of the high priest. But he was the only one that went in. He was the one that went in and satisfied the requirements of a righteous God. God had laws. God had commandments. When they were broken, uh, there needed to be a pen, there needed to be a penalty paid. God demonstrated that right from the Garden of Eden. And so, therefore, when the high priest came in, he came in with blood, and he could only go in with blood. And when he stood there in the presence of God, uh, he represented all the children of Israel who were in there. All the children of Israel, and he was in there by himself. Now, I need you to watch, Just I'm, I'm trying to paint a little picture for you without making it really complicated, and then we'll work on this, uh, this image here. In the Revelation series, and Brother Branham teaches very exhaustively on this and very well, if you take time to go through the Revelation series, the Revelation series is the 15 sermons that Brother Branham uh, uh, preached, and from that the Church Age book was edited and composed. And it says in uh, chapter 4, verse part 2, it says that there were seven lamps burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Reflecting the light of God into the church. Now watch what he says. The seven spirits of God. He said they reflected the light of God into the church. Straight from the throne of God. Not through a seminary. Not through some bishop. But from the throne of God. By a revelation of the power of his resurrection. Making him the same yesterday, today and forever. In other words, there was nothing to bend the light. There was nothing to alter the light. The light came from the presence of God, which was in the most holy place. And it was reflected through the candlestick. And he says, them seven stars standing there reflected that light. How many know that Paul the Apostle didn't have a light of his own? All the light he had and all the truth he preached came from somewhere. It was not Paul sitting down figuring it all out. But he received light or understanding from God and preached that to the church. That was the story of every church age messenger who was the light for that day. Now remember, that light for that day was only good for that day. It was no good for the next day. Just like manna was only good for one day and it was not good for the next day. It couldn't be held over. So the things that each messenger preached, they were, uh, they were, they were in, they were light for that hour, but God never stopped with lighting one of seven candles. He lit all of them. Isn't that right? So all the truths from every age move forward, but we're not living in the light of Martin Luther. We're not living in the light of, of uh, John Wesley. We're not living in a Pentecostal light. We're living in the light that God established for our day. Or that God reflected from his throne in our day. Isn't that right? Alright, so follow me now. He said, them seven stars were standing there reflecting that light, the Shekinah light and the Shekinah glory from the holiest of holy. Seven lamps on fire, sitting on top of these candlesticks, reflecting his light, his colors, his power of his resurrection. Where? Right into the church. So God reflected this message... From himself, from the mind of God, in through his messenger to you. That's why you have the message of the hour. That's why you love the message of the hour. Because God knew you had something in in you to receive that message. Isn't that right? God placed something in you to receive that message. 
So here's what these uh, lamps look like. No mystery to us. And the scripture in Revelations 1.20 says, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in thy right hand. And I think it's great that the Bible declares what these uh, symbols really mean. They are the seven golden candlesticks. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks, he said the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. How many know who those seven angels were? And the seven golden candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So he spells out for the next two chapters what those ages uh, were to hear and tells us what the message of each uh, church age actually was. So it's, I think it's wonderful that God uh, tells how that this light's going to come and then tells us what the essence of that light actually is, right? That's what Revelation 2, 3 contain. The messages from the angel of the church to that uh, angel of that church age to the people of, to the bride of that age, to the people of that age, right? Unto the message of Thyatira, unto the message unto the uh, uh, church at Sardis, and so forth. That group received that light that came from that messenger, and God was faithful to reflect it from his presence in through that messenger into the people of that age. Everybody following so far? This is all kind of basic stuff. And each one of you here, one in a million, 1965, each one of you here is standing as believers, then the life that was in Christ is in you. It can, if you could just see it, It's the devil's business to keep you blocked off from that and keep you blinded. All right, so hold on a second here. Light uh, is at the the core of everything I've just said, right? Because it is not heat that's reflected out of the most holy place, right? It's not, uh, you know, it's it's not a, a source of anything but light to be able to see coming out of that most holy place. And so you're not going to be able to see unless you receive or you're walking in that correct light that God is shining in your particular age. You're not going to be able to see. Remember now, if you're walking in the light, as he is present tense in the light, then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all sin and so forth. You have fellowship one with another. So you had to be walking in the correct light. Light is what's essential for the New Testament believer. And light is essential for the Old Testament believer here. But Satan's job is to keep you blocked off from the light in your day at all costs. Because you're going to excel. You're going to, you're going to obtain the prize if you walk in the light. You're going to see your way. You're going to find out where to go if, you're, if you've got light. If you're in darkness, you don't know which way to turn. Right? Now watch what he says. It's the devil's business to keep you blocked off from that and keep you blinded. And he can just let you be blinded and you don't know where you're going then. And a man that's blind cannot tell where he's going. He's got to seek the understanding of someone who can see. And until we can understand, somebody has got to tell us what's truth. Until... We can understand somebody's got to tell us what's truth. Ha! Well, all right. Let's demonstrate this. Any volunteers? No volunteers. All right, Ethan. Thank you, buddy. Come on up here. Take your glasses off. Face that way if you don't mind. Now, before I do this, I need to tell you, because your parents are here and they're they're watching very carefully now about what I'm going to do. I will assure you that I'm not going to pull a rabbit out of a hat or a buffalo out of a hat. 
this is this is a real demonstration of something, okay? And I need to tell you that uh, at the end of this journey, there is one or the other. That's a 20, and that's a 1, okay? At the end of this journey, there is uh, one or the other, okay? All right, you got it? Now, I need you to be honest with me and tell me whether you can see or not. How's that? Pull your pull your scarf down so you can't see. Pull it down so you can. Right. You good? Okay, pretty good. Now, I have got this these two uh, dollar bills here, and uh, one is a 20 and one is a 1. Okay? Now, I'm going to lay them on a chair. Okay? And I want you to uh, locate them for me. Hold on a second. All right, so now you're, you're, what you are now is a typical, I frightened you then, didn't you? You weren't expecting that. All right, just to let you know, I'm right here, buddy. I'm right, I got your back. I got your side, I got your back. So you're a, you're a, a Christian now through the ages who's looking through a glass darkly, okay? So you really don't know what all those Bible symbols mean. But you know there's something good. Uh, in, in the understanding of the Bible. You know the Bible contains promises and it contains lessons. It contains, uh, you know, a message about eternal life and how we live forever, right? So let's just say that those two bills are, uh, are the goal you're looking for. Let's just pretend that they're the goal you're looking for, okay? So off you go. Let's see if you can find uh, the goal that you're looking for. Okay, hold her right there now because you're in front of a chair and you're going to knock over. You're going to fall over that. Now, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that in front of you there's a chair, okay? So if you don't mind, we don't have all night. If you could just find where that... He's a sincere fellow. He's a sincere believer. He absolutely is. That's your sister laughing the loudest. All right. All right. Take your... Take your blindfold off. Well, it was a good try, and I appreciate you doing that. Okay, hold on. We're not done. But here was your goal right here. Okay, so you didn't get either one. Wow. Okay, if you don't mind, put that back on again. Let's cover it up. You're good at this. Promise me now that you can't see. Same goal, okay, same money I got here. Okay, he can't see. All right, now, according to what Brother Branham says here... Uh, he says that a man that's blind cannot tell where he's going, right? We got no argument there, okay? That's me. And he said, but he's got to seek the understanding from someone who can see. Well, here's somebody who can see, a prophet that came in the last day. Put down your Bible. So what he's going to do now is help guide Ethan to what is really in store for believers in, in the last day while Brother Branham's here. Okay, go ahead. So, Ethan, now, you can't find that. We proved you can't find it on your own, right? So, but God sent in the last day somebody to help guide you as a believer to where the real prize is. Okay, go ahead, Nathan, if you don't mind. And, Ethan, you're, you're certainly willing. You know, a believer, the last day, a real believer is willing to let this, this messenger guide us. All right, take off your blind. Well, thank God for the messenger, 
All right. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate that, buddy. You can take your seat. Thank God for the messenger. Thanks, buddy. Hey, let's do this one more time. <clears throat> Put that on again, if you don't mind. Thank God for the messenger that led him to where he needed to go, right? Because he, he, he couldn't find it on his own. Are you, can you see? Okay. So he couldn't find it on his own. Uh, so we needed somebody who uh, walked in the light in a special way to help guide us as believers who were not prophets uh, to find out what was at the end of the, end of the road, right? But let's say this. Let's say that now we have no more messenger because Brother Bram's gone, right? So the Bible tells us that we would see through a glass darkly until, until what? Until we come face to face, right? So therefore now, God has given us, by his grace, eyes to see and ears to hear. So now he can come by himself and take the prize, whichever one you'd like to have. So now, hey folks, he's not depending on Brother Branham, the man, right? He's not depending on uh, somebody, you know, telling him, taking him by the hand and doing that. But he's got eyes to see and ears to hear. Thank God for a message in this last day that has pointed us in the right direction, taken the scales off our eyes. The 20 is yours, (laughs) and the 1 is yours, buddy. Appreciate your help. So if we are the earth, if we are still on the earth, made of earth, there are two sources of light for the church. One is the sun, and the other is the moon, which is simply reflecting the light of the sun. Isn't that right? So the people on the earth are able to be illuminated all the time because in this scenario, there's always light somewhere on the earth. Right? Think spiritual now. There's always light somewhere on the the earth because uh, of the way that God constructed it in nature. There's always light somewhere. And so I believe this, that uh, in in this last day, the moon which is a type of the church, if it cuts itself off from the sun, it no longer becomes a reflector of truth to the earth. You better be in communion with Christ because you're not going to get light from the church. Are we okay? So we're not depending on church anymore. We're not depending on a man anymore. You're not depending on me for light. You're not depending on Brother Branham for light. Are we okay? He was a reflector of light in his season. Come on. He was a reflector of the light in his season because he was a light on top of the candlestick for, for the last age, right? But who becomes the center of the last, of the bride age? Let me tell you, if God wanted Brother Branham to be the light of our time, God would have left Brother Branham here. But I believe that Christ is that light. Now, let's demonstrate this 
One more illustration here. Let's demonstrate this this way. That when a person who longs for, in First Chronicles 16 down here, glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. In thy presence is joy forevermore, right? The goal of Israel, the goal of God's people was to join the, join the parade, join the pilgrim, and come all the way into the presence of God. The, the, the goal, the whole essence of the, of the Jewish walk, if you like, was to come in back into harmony with God. Because they once were in harmony with God. Adam and Eve sinned, and they were put out of the presence of God. The whole thrust was to get back into the presence of God for communion with Him again. Everybody following me? So therefore, when a person came inside the holy place here, when a person came inside and walked into this place here, a curtain dropped behind him. Isn't that right? If a curtain dropped in behind him, and this inside sanctuary was completely void of outside light, so the light that was in here did not come from out here, the light that came that, that shone in here came from the presence of God, this person is not led by or influenced by anything that happens out here. He's not influenced by anything that happens out here in the world. He sees it. He hears it. But let me tell you, his influence, he's living in communion with Christ. He's living in communion with the light that God has sent through Christ and gives us revelation and understanding. And if we're living out of anywhere else but this light, let me tell you, we are missing, we can easily miss the mark. It doesn't matter then what happens in the world. It doesn't matter who gets elected. It doesn't matter whether, uh, you know, somebody, uh, dent in my car, my new car bumper. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, uh, what the weather is like. It doesn't, sorry. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, what, uh, whether I lose my job or whether I have a, 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 a new job. It doesn't matter whether we get a raise or a bonus this year or whether we don't get a bonus this year. It doesn't matter whether I, uh, have really good health or uh, whether I'm aging or not. You know what? I'm not depending on outside circumstances. I'm not depending on anything that's going on in the world. I'm just living my life in the light of Christ Jesus himself. Matter of fact, I would have to say this, that I believe that the outside of this place is going to become worse and worse and darker and darker and gross darkness is going to cover the earth, but it does not cover a believer because he's in the light. And if you're in the light, then you have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sins. Isn't that right? So we can have peace with God, even, uh, even in the midst of darkness and all the chaos and confusion that's out here, because we're walking in the light. Your decisions should be based on what comes from here, not what comes from out here. Well, everybody's doing it, and everybody lives that way, and it's all right in other churches, and it's all right, you know, people in the world sing this kind of music, so, it, you know, it must be all right. I heard this in another message, church, so it must be all right. Hey, that's not how we make our decisions. Our decisions come from the mind of God, which is right here on the inside. You don't need to dip into somebody else's church. You don't need to dip into somebody else's house. You don't need to dip into somebody else's marriage. You don't need to look anywhere else but to look at the Christ that is in you to know what God would have you to do. 
So therefore, Paul writes and admonishes us, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord? Walk as children of light. If we are children of the light, then we should walk as children of the light. How do I know that I'm walking in the light? You watch your decisions. You watch your responses. You watch your reactions to things. You watch how people will take the scripture and they will line it up correctly. Even if they're not ministers, they'll line it up correctly. Because they'll never make scripture fight scripture. They'll never let scripture fight scripture. You remember what I said to you before about how that, uh, you know, for instance, somebody would say, well, I'm in debt, so I need to pay my debt, so I'm not going to pay my tithes until I pay my debt. You have one scripture fighting another one. That, that doesn't work. you got a misinterpretation, right? Some people will say, well, love is corrective. That doesn't mean that you get the opportunity to crush everyone's spirit in your path. I said, it doesn't mean that you get to crush everyone's spirit or kick everybody out of the way because they don't do things the way you may see it. Love is corrective. Let me tell you, love seeks to right a wrong. Love seeks to help a person find the right way. Now, this is not in my notes here, but if you don't mind, take your Bible just for a moment. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Now, this is a really important chapter because it deals with one theme and one theme only. Hebrews 11 is not the only chapter in the Bible that deals with one theme. This chapter deals with the theme of forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, and I would just want to look at sections, okay, just little sections here. The sections from uh, verse 1 down to verse 10. It talks about uh, the answer that Jesus gives when he's asked the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus goes and he finds, like I just did, he found a child. Sorry, Ethan, I'm not talking about you. But he finds a child and he sets the child in the middle. And that's the object lesson. He says, hey, look at this child. And if you want to know who's the greatest in the kingdom, he said, except you be converted and become as a little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verse 5, you shall, and whoso shall receive one of these little children, receiveth me. Six, whoso shall offend one of these children, which believe in me, were better for him than a millstone were tied about his neck, and so forth. Verse 10, take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. In other words, I, as Father God, watches over, I watch over these little ones. I have a care and a compassion and a concern, and if you mess with one of them, you're messing with me. Because I am their protector. I am the one, this is the way he's portraying himself. I am the one that's watching over what you do to one of these little ones. So whether you're a minister, or whether you're a parent, or whether you're someone who seeks to straighten everybody else out because of your self-righteous behavior, then you better be careful how you do that and what you say, because I'm watching over you. That's what God is saying, all right? So don't take advantage of the innocent. Don't take advantage of those that are vulnerable uh, among you here. And let me tell you, those are the ones I watch over. Because he's answering the question, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Verse 11. So he says that the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. He doesn't say the Son of Man has come to correct that which was lost. He doesn't say that the Son of Man has come to rebuke that which was lost. How think he, if a man have a hundred and sheep, and one of them be gone astray? Let me paraphrase. What does he do? What does a good shepherd do? He leaves the ninety and nine and goes after that one. 
And when he goes after that one, does he say, you are a loser and you are not welcome back? He doesn't do that. He goes after that sheep with the intent of bringing him back to restore him again. Because he has compassion for the sheep. He's already demonstrated that in the first ten verses there. Go down to verse uh, verse uh, 21. Then we have the famous story where Peter asked Jesus the question, If my brother offends me, how often should I forgive him? Seven times? And Jesus, <laughs> hey buddy, hey listen, let me, let, me, let me explain it this way. He says, you need to forgive your brother 70 times 7. He was not talking about 490 times. The word 70 times 7, that phrase means, if you look it up in the, in the original language, it means completely. Do I need to go through the completely thing? All right. I'm going to take it from that that I do. Jesus says that you should forgive this person. Not just seven times. It's completely, 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 completely. All right, now, buddy. That's not how he, that's what, that's what he said we should not do. <clears throat> but he said when you do it 70 times seven, You don't count down 490 times. You completely forgive this person. All right. Then he breaks into a parable. And he said, now let me show you in verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king. And a certain king uh, found out that there was a guy in the kingdom who had somebody who was, uh, he was, uh, uh, had owed him. Uh, you know, quite a sum. And this sum was, is mentioned in the scripture. It's a large sum. Absolutely impossible. Listen to me tonight. It's absolutely impossible for this guy uh, to pay that back in his lifetime, making the wages that he does. He absolutely has no way that he's ever going to repay. So the man goes into the king and he says, Master, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my debt. And what he's actually saying in the, in the Greek there is, delay, give me time, and I'll pay it back. If you don't mind, just put it off, and I'll pay it back eventually. That's what he's act- that's what he's saying to the king. And the king says no. He says, "Give me the right of give me the right of debt there. Give me the writing of the debt." And he takes the uh, the bill that was owed him <clears throat> from the man, and he tears it up like this. And he says, "Listen, I'm not going to give you time. I'm going to give you complete resolution of that debt. It's over. There is no more debt." And the man is like, wow, you know, I mean, this is absolutely incredible. And he's thankful to the king. And uh, he goes out, you know, <laughs> rejoicing, you know, hallelujah, I'm walking with the king. He's my buddy now. And, uh, you know, he's really happy about that. Then he goes out and he finds somebody who owes him 25 bucks. And this man, uh, he says to him, hey, uh, you owe me 25 bucks. And the guy says, hi, I, I, I just don't have it. He says, uh, can you give me time? Just delay until payday, and then I'll uh, give you the 25 bucks. And the man says, no, nope, absolutely not. He says, you've got to pay now. And the guy says, look, if you just wait till payday, uh, <clears throat> until after the Sabbath, he says, I'll surely pay you back. And the guy says, absolutely not. And he, he brings a lawsuit and throws him into small claims court. And the guy winds up in jail for owing him $25. The guy who was just forgiven over a million dollars in debt. The king hears about this and he calls the guy back and he said, Did I hear the story right? That I forgave you of all of this debt. Remember this debt that I forgave you of? And you would not forgive your brother the $25 in debt? Therefore, he says, hey, guards, take this good for nothing and throw him into the dungeon and let him be tormented by tormentors until he pay back the utmost farthing, every penny he's got to repay. 
So Jesus gives a conclusion here, and he says to us that likewise, 35, likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. Wow. If you from your heart forgive not every one his brother, and that includes sister, their trespasses. Wow. So this is the kind of light that God uses to look in your heart when you say, I'm sorry. Is it the profession of a hypocrite? Or is it really mean that you're, you're willing to forgive and you're willing to make it right? And this is what God does. The whole chapter of 18 deals with the subject of forgiveness. I've given you a capsulated version here. So verse 15, go back to that. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, and go and tell him his fault between him, thee and him alone. And if you shall hear them, thou hast gained thy brother. In the context of Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is not saying, you need to go and slam this guy up against the wall. You need to go and nail this character. You need to go and show this guy up. And if he doesn't respond once, you take the, somebody else from the church. And then if not, you take it and bring it before the whole church and disgrace this guy. Everything else in this chapter is about restoring and forgiving and compassion. And remember, God's watching over this guy too. So therefore, how we treat one another is not always to nail somebody to the wall, but how we treat somebody always, are you hearing me? Always has to be with compassion and grace and mercy because that's exactly the way you want to be treated by God and your fellow man. And Jesus, I think, does a great job at bringing out all of this right here. There's no place for self-righteousness. There's no place for, well, I'm a member of the bride of Christ and I've been forgiving everything. And then turn around and not forgive your brother? There is just no place for that in Matthew chapter 18. And that, that chapter, to me, brings it out really nicely. So when Paul says, ye were sometimes darkness, that's how people in the world do it. But now you are light in the Lord, therefore you're going to walk as children of the, of the light. You're going, to, you're going to exercise forgiveness. You're going to walk and be conscious of the Spirit, right? Remember? Remember when John the Baptist came and he saw the Holy Spirit? Remember he saw Jesus and he said that the, uh, he saw the Spirit descend? And abide on him. Remember? And every step that Jesus took, he had the dove in mind. Every, as a Christian, every step we take, we gotta have the dove in mind because the dove can be grieved. Isn't that right? The dove can be grieved. So every step we take, we have the dove in mind. I don't wanna grieve the, I don't wanna grieve the dove. I don't wanna grieve the Holy Spirit. So when I'm alone with somebody, then I'm not really alone, but when I'm with somebody and I begin to use foul language or something else, you know what's going to happen? You're not being conscious of the dove. Now, when you come into church, you're all, oh, bless the dove. Oh, bless the dove. Bless the dove. Pastor, see, I brought my dove. I got my dove. And then go out and use all kinds of filthy language or watch filthy things or whatever else. And listen to, uh, you know, wrong, wrong music or whatever else. You know what? <clears throat> I believe, I believe that God is smarter than that. Can I go a little further? Oh, we're just getting going here. Somebody ought to say amen. Thank you, Jesus. Glad I came to church tonight. Now, remember now in our, in our study the last two, two Wednesday nights ago, that this is the condemnation, Jesus said in John 3.19, that men love darkness rather than light. They actually love darkness because their deeds were evil. 
Now, that's not somebody who gets up and says, uh, I wonder, can I find the worst channel on TV? Or can I commit the worst crime that there is uh, known to mankind? That's not somebody who is, uh, you know, maliciously trying to pursue that. But as we defined it uh, in the, in the uh, diglot, it means to uh, welcome or to entertain something, to become fond of something, and to be well-pleased or contented with the thing. So it is equally wrong for us to become contented with a way of life or with the filthiness of the world around us, or it ceases to grieve us. Anybody following me? May God give us, may God give us enough wisdom and discernment to be grieved by the things of this world. Like I mentioned to you several weeks ago when we were talking about Shalom in the home. And, uh, you know, you, you watch the, the trends. You watch the, uh, the way things are trending, right? And trending is, uh, is not a word for my generation, but it is a word for some of your generation where you see things. That's the way that things are moving. That's the way that things are going. So things are trending. The, 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 the styles are trending this way. And you have trends towards the soft boy look. The powder puff haircut and the tight pants and the, you know, that not, not gay, but almost gay because it's not manly. It's somewhere in between. Should I not have said that? And that's the way for a lot of young men, that's the way things are trending. So a lot of people feel like, well, you know what? Hey, uh, you know what? Nobody said anything about it unless I go to HBT. Nobody said anything about it. So you know what? It must be okay. And I will say this, may God give us the kind of Holy Ghost that is able to look into the mirror and say, how would God respond to this? Or how would a, you know, a girl be able to look in the mirror and see how she's dressed and see how she's conducting herself? Or look at your own social media and look at it and say, would, is this something that I've just learned to be contented with? Uh, does this violate any sort of a principle of scripture? Have I scared you all off or can I go a little further? May God help us never to love darkness so that we are not affected by even our own wrongs. May God help us to see ourselves as he sees us. And may God, listen, may God help us to be moved by the preaching of the word. Because I will tell you, it is a scary thing when people are not moved by the preaching of the word. Brother Branham was, was very concerned about our modern generation when, uh, you know, he said uh, th- that he would tr- preach a certain way in a place and preach about women's dress and go away, come back a year later. And he said they're worse than what they were when I was here. And Brother uh, Earl Williams t- told me, he said that Brother Branham was, and you'll find this in one of the sermons in, in 1965, and Brother Branham was out for a full gospel businessmen's convention, and uh, he said he looked out through the curtain of the window, and there was all these women out there uh, dressed in a certain way, and, and uh, Brother Branham was, was, had, had been sitting there preparing for the service, and he was just thinking about, Lord, you know, why do I, why am I so hard on, on the women and so on? And he said the voice spoke back to him and said, because I don't want my people to look like that. 
So let me tell you something. God looks at this world and God looks at us and God looks at the people there. And, and uh, he was able to impress upon a prophet's heart that there is, uh, there is at least a chance when somebody preaches the message and preaches according to the light of the hour, there is a chance that the elect will hear it and they will respond to that uh, word and they'll walk out into the light. And you know what? Then ideally, ideally, they have the Holy Spirit enough to be able to give some sort of checker or give some sort of correction or give some sort of a, uh, you know, uh, an, an, an opportunity to fix things that are not right and make them right. And there's a limit to what I can do. I can tell you. I can read the scripture for you. I can put it up on the PowerPoint. I can show you all kinds of examples. But let me tell you, it'll never stick with you until something happens on the inside. And it becomes a word lived out, not just a word heard. I, I don't know about you, but I want something that, that stays with me after my wheels leave the parking lot. I want something, I want to have uh, something uh, singing in my heart long after the musicians have taken their seat. I want to have something that, that lives in me long beyond the camp meeting and long beyond the revival and long beyond the church service. I want to have something that's real in my heart so that it's not dimmed by what's going on out there in the world and what everybody else is doing. I want to have something that holds me when nobody else is around. I want to have something that holds me when uh, my parents are not there and the pastor is not there and nobody else is there. But I got something real that's on the inside because I'm getting my light and my inspiration and my understanding not from the world out there there, but from the Shekinah presence of Almighty God. And you know what? I can take you by the hand and guide you like uh, Nathan took Ethan and guided him to the prize. I, I, I can do that, but I can't make Ethan want to go there. He's got to have that desire in his own heart to do that, because otherwise it is just really rules and, gener- rules and regulations, and that's not how the bride walks. The bride does not walk by legislation, the bride walks by revelation. I said the bride does not walk by regulations, the bride walks by inspiration, and that inspiration's on the inside. Now watch what Brother Branham says here. The first generation of Pentecostals was on fire. I mean, I, I've got the books. I've got the testimonies. You can, you can see them now. Uh, they, they've got interviews on YouTube uh, from people who were actually in the Azusa Street Revival. You can go look at them. And they'll tell you what it was actually like. like and they will uh, describe to you what the presence was like in those meetings there. And the second generation begin to die out. They still remembered what went on. They still heard the stories of what went on. They tried to duplicate what went on. That's now. He said, now watch what the third generation will bring. Here he is in 1960, and he's telling us that there was a first generation who were first-hand witnesses, and the second generation, they begin to die out. He said, that's now, and he says, watch what that third generation will bring. It ain't going to go all the way out before Jesus comes because the Laodicean church was lukewarm, neither warm nor hot, and they still had a little bit of blessing in it. They were mixed up, not altogether hot or cold, but they were lukewarm. Oh, God help us not to be caught in that, in that group of waning light. That's what this is. It's not direct. You don't see any distinct shadows here. What you've got is a waning light. Hey, folks, wake up. It's 50 years since Brother Branham preached the seven seals, right? We're a, fifth, we're, a, we're a half a century away from when Brother Branham walked on the face of the earth. The people who were in these meetings, most of them had died out, except Sister Becky. 
Most of them have gone on. And I will tell you something, there are fewer and fewer eyewitnesses there. Therefore, we become that generation that has not seen, but believe anyway. So we got to go by something more than just our what we heard. We got to go by something more than just what we saw with our own eyes. We have to have a more sure word of testimony, right? A more sure word of prophecy. Peter says, "Hey, we were there on the mount. We saw him. We saw Jesus come down, be transfigured." We, we, we saw him and Elijah and Moses with him. We saw it all. But you know what Peter says we've got? We've got a more sure word of prophecy than even that. Now, this is, this is really incredible. And I talked about this a couple of years ago, about five years ago. And we talked about this, uh, the, one of your senses of sight and how powerful a thing that it is. And seeing is not just a literal looking out and seeing colors and objects and shapes. But there is this, per, this idea of perception. So in Deuteronomy chapter 15, beware that thou, uh, there not be a thought in thy wicked heart, saying, the seventh year of the year releases at hand, and thine eyes be evil against thy poor brother, and thou givest him not, and he cry unto the Lord against thee, and it be sin unto thee. So in other words, um, Jesus is making, or Sir Moses is making sure that we understand that there's a way that you have of looking at something, and it can be absolutely evil. Your eye can be evil. Or your eye can be just. And this is not just a literal looking at things. This is a look with judgment. And so you're, when we talk about eyes and eyesight, we're talking about more than just the physical principle of sight. We're talking about, uh, we're talking about how a person sees from their heart. In Proverbs 20, 12, the hearing ear and the seeing eye. The eye hath made, the Lord hath made both of them. And we know that either one, they're never satisfied. All right, so let's just take a quick look here. Uh, demonology, and Brother Manum says, we, we go not by feelings, not by sight, but you don't walk by feelings or sight. Somebody say amen. You don't marry by feelings or sight. When God has pronounced anything, said whatever things you ask when you pray, you believe and receive and hold on to it, God said so, got to be so. It may not be obvious, it may not be apparent, it may not be visible, but it's true because God said it. Come on now, I need, I need you to, I'm not, this is not hard. And I only got a few minutes left here. But when God said to Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a son, Abraham could look at himself and he could look at Sarah and say, ain't no way, but I'll amen it anyway. When my mother-in-law heard the message for the first time and she heard Brother Brandon preach serpent seed, she, she looked at uh, Sister Malinowski who was with her and she said, hey, she said, it was contrary to everything I ever knew, but I believed it anyhow. Because she's not looking at it by natural sight. We're not looking at this message with natural sight. We're not looking at, uh, you know, the wedding supper with natural sight. But I believe it anyway. We're not, we're not, we can't see the millennium all way off in a distance here. But I believe that there's a millennium coming for the people of God. How many believe that? So therefore, we don't walk by, God gave you eyesight, but it has, listen, it has to be tempered. And here's how it's tempered. When you look at, the optic nerve, you have the optic nerve for the left eye. It deals with the right side of the brain. It connects to the right side of the brain. The right eye connects with the left side of the brain. In other words, there's a cross right in the middle between these two, for these two optic nerves. Brother Manum said, truly, if there's any conquering to be done, it'll have to come through the cross. And that's the only way there is to conquer is through the cross. 
Let me tell you something, saints of God. When you look at something, you should look at it through the cross. Because that's the only way you'll be able to make the right judgment. Are you following me? All right. So God tells us then, even though he gave us a natural uh, capability to be able to see, we're not to walk by sight. Because you might come in here and say, wow, man, I, 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 I visited a church that sang better than these folks here. I'm leaving. Or I, I visited a church that had more young guys, eligible single bachelor guys than this group here. Man, they only got one, two, four, six. And half of them are born ugly and took a back set. I'm going to go to another church. I'm going to go to another church down the road. You know what you're doing? You're making a wrong judgment based on sight. And that's what God tells us not to do. All right, stay with me. Brother Bram said I was listening to a program on the radio coming to Sunday school, and it was a roundtable discussion with teenagers in Louisville. Oh, wow, this is way back there. This is something I do. And here he is in 1958 listening to that on the radio. And he said, one of the most important things was a girl to find a boy. This is the topic they were discussing. The most important thing was for a girl to find a boy with curly hair, or most of you are out, or the boy, the girl with the pretty blue or brown eyes. Did that make a difference? It seems like that would be the great thing to a teenager, but it isn't a great thing. What are all those things? Those are outward appearances. The greatest thing is to find your God, your maker, Find him first, serve him, be born again, and let him be the Eliezer to guide you to the right person that you're meant to be with. All right, watch now. Don't mix and marry. Marry a boy that believes just exactly like you do. For after all, God is the most important thing that we are in the earth to do is to serve him. Marry a boy that believes. First thing, you want to marry a boy that believes. Not just a boy that goes to church. You want to marry a boy that believes. You want to marry a boy that's born again. You want to marry a girl that's born again. God, after all, we're here to serve God. We're not here. Our goal is not to find a spouse. And if you do marry or anything contrary to that, what he just said, you'll pay for it in the days that lay ahead. You must always remember by faith and not by sight that just shall live by faith and we look at the unseen. Uh, we've, we've gone through that. You all know that stuff. You, yeah, I absolutely know that. You know, you, you, you know all, all about that. I don't need to go over that. My sisters. The other day, a young lady came to my house, a beautiful woman. She was dressed. She looked terrible. She said, I'd like to talk to you privately. And I said, all right, sis, what is it? I thought, well, she was a sinner. She was dressed like one. She was a beautiful woman, all poured in that little dress. It was terrible looking. It wasn't made for a woman to wear. And she kept telling me about having her nervous spells. Well, now the first thing you ought to do is to accept Christ. I've read this to you before. I know I have. And he says, she said, I'm a Christian. Oh, excuse me. I looked at her and I said, yes, I'm a Christian. I've got the Holy Ghost. That's what she says to Brother Brandon. And I thought, merciful father. Well, lady... Why don't you dress like it then? Why don't we walk as children of light? You were children of darkness. You walked a certain way. You walked a certain way. Listen, when you, when you have a worldly nature, you dress so that somebody sees you, not Jesus. I think it's a good lesson for us to take from here that when we dress, we should want somebody to see Jesus in me, not to see me. Okay. Well, Brother Branham said, she said, well, you're of the old school of thought. 
My pastor don't believe it like that. I get said that to me. You, we get liberation of women. I said, you got liberation of something, and it's from the Bible that you've liberated yourself from. All right, stop for a minute. Where do we get, for you that think that I'm old-fashioned, or you that think that Brother Brandon might be old-fashioned in saying the things that he did, where did we originally get the light for this generation anyway? We got it from the presence of God, the Shekinah glory of God, that were reflected through the candlestick to the church of that time. To me, until God puts another candlestick out there, we still have the light that God's given to us. And I'm, I'm not going to complain about it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to preach it. I said, did anybody ever tell you you were an attractive woman? And she messed up her hair on the side and said, oh, yes. I, you could see Brother Burley doing this. Do you realize that, that the way you're dressed, you'll send more men to hell than all the bar rooms in the country. And by God's grace, there came a vision. And I seen what she was doing. And I said, now you work in an office, isn't that right? And I said, your mother's dead and you've got four sisters and a brother. And you were lifting a fan around, you hurt your back. You'll put your hand there and you'll find it's sore. It is. Uh, there's a nervous trouble. Well, thank the Lord. And now go and put on some clothes. And said, Brother Brandon, we don't believe that old-fashioned stuff. Then he said, well, what about last night? That boy was with you in that place. And she started crying. And I exposed her sin and told her of the adultery she was living in. Now, let me ask you something. If anybody had a right to pin that lady to the wall, it would have been Brother Branham. But what's, what's God doing? God, in his mercy, is exposing the darkness in her life and letting her know there's a greater light. And there's somebody watching over you that knows all about what's going on. And God is interested in your salvation. God's interested in your reconciliation with him. God's interested in you repenting. God's interested in you making it right. Brother Branham could have said all kinds of things to that woman right there. But you know what his desire is? He says, she fell on the floor and began to weep. And I don't believe Brother Branham said, all right, sister, if you're going to live that way, out, out. He doesn't do that. Now he's got somebody who's vulnerable there, wants to weep their way back. Hey, we don't know what happens to the woman here. But let me tell you, when God deals with us, he's not afraid to show us. He's not afraid to show us the darkness in our lives. But he doesn't show it to us to intimidate us. He doesn't show it to us to belittle us. He shows it to us because he's interested in one thing, and that is going after that one sheep that's gone and bringing it back to the fold again. And when you begin to act in a way other than that uh, towards people who have offended you or done wrong or whatever else are caught in sin, let me tell you, that is something that uh, is contrary to the word of God. Now, Here's what's interesting. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but have pleasure in unrighteousness. If you're walking in darkness, you're going to be affected by the darkness in the world around you, and you're not going to be able to tell what's right and what's not, what's straight and what's not. You're not going to be able to tell what's up and what's down. You're not going to be able to tell what's true and what's almost true. Right? You're not going to be able to tell because the only way you're going to be able to walk through this world only, this world, this time that we're living in. We're not talking about the 60s now. And we're not talking about the dark ages. But we're talking about in our time now when it would be so close. Listen, it would be so close it would deceive the very elect. You're not going to be able to uh, deal with that because on top of this thing being so close, God is sending, God is sending. Look here. God is sending strong delusion that you might believe a lie. God knows that you'll never deceive the elect. Right? Doesn't God know he'll never deceive the elect? But in the world, there's all kinds of delusions about people that feel like, hey, I can, you know, I can go to church and I can, uh, you know, uh, know all the Christian songs and my kids go to Christian rock concerts and so forth. And they don't realize that they are deluded. And deluded means that they have strayed. There's no absolute. 
they have strayed. They're under a delusion that they're right and they're really not. So they're led astray from the right way. That's the definition of the word delusion there. So in other words, there are all kinds of things that you can look at one way or another way, and they're both right, but who knows which is right. Or you may think, well, these lines are crooked. And what we have is an illusion. Or my favorite, is this cat going up or down? This drives people crazy. If you're, let me tell you, if you're in the world without the Holy Ghost, if you're in the world outside of the presence of God, you're not going to know what's up and what's down. You're not going to know which way to go. You're not going to be able to know how to answer this question, whether this cat's going up or down. You really don't know. Tell you what you do. Visit the website. Download the PowerPoint. Erase everything else except this and try to figure it out. Come back on Sunday and tell me whether the cat's going up or down one way or the other. There are things that are going on in this world. Listen, there are things that are happening even around this message. You're going to need to have discernment. You're going to need to have the mind of God really to know what's right and what's not right. You're going to need to know exactly what it is that God would have you to know in this time and get it from uh, the messenger of the hour and the scripture because otherwise you'll never be able to place things in the right place. Because darkness has a power. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. That power has everything to do with choice. The liberty of doing as one pleases, the ability or strength with which one is endued. So when we talk about the power of darkness, people are driven by, they're driven by the nature that they have that is unconverted, even though it may be religious. So they are driven by and know they have a freedom to pursue the things that they believe are right. What a dangerous place to be. We ought, to, we ought to pray daily. Lord, take my, I, I surrendered my liberty at Calvary. Lord, I'm yours. I'm a prisoner of Christ now. Let me be like the Apostle Paul and let me be a prisoner. And Lord, whatever your will is today, whatever you would have me to do, whatever choice you want me to make, whatever boy or girl you want me to marry, whatever college you want me to go to, whatever uh, you know, uh, ministry you want me to pursue or whatever else, Lord, it, it isn't up to me, it's up to you. And I want to be subject to that leadership. I want to be subject to that because if I'm not subject to that, I'm subject to this, the power of darkness. Because let me tell you, you are either subject to one or the other. This world is subject to one or the other, right? You're either under the influence of the power of darkness, and that does not mean that you wear a cape and go out to the graveyard and worship devils. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about your ability to choose. Like a crow sitting on the, on the telephone line will look out there and say, I can go for that and I can go for that. But a, an eagle or a dove, they're going to look out there and say, well, there's only one, there's only one choice for me. Uh, I, I got to go for that. I got to go for the fresh kill. I can't go for the rotten stuff. But a crow can go for either one. Matter of fact, he can go for both. And that choice is an indication of what his nature really is. 
And whether you realize it or not, if you're not under the power and the leadership of Christ and the power and leadership of the light of the hour, you're under the influence of darkness, one or the other. And that darkness can keep you so close to the light, it's scary. It's really scary. And that's why we need to have uh, more than just a whole bunch of knowledge that we get and come to service every time and learn all we can. Hey, it isn't about your learning. It isn't about your brain. It's about your heart and letting Christ live in there. That's the only way you're ever going to be able to discern right from wrong. Oh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know what? I would say this. If we don't have our musicians come, uh, I, I could preach all night here. In the token, Brother Branham says, it doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter how good you are, how many times you jump up and down. Let's have our musicians come. How many churches you've joined and how many good things you've done. It won't mean one thing in your life if the token isn't applied. What's the token? The life of Christ is the token. Isn't that right? This is the evening time. That worked all right in the days of Luther, and that worked all right in the days of Wesley, but it won't work now. Why? Because God is shining or reflecting himself through a specific candlestick. Not another candlestick from another age, but a candlestick for this age. There's actually lights that won't work in your day. There's still lights, but then they're not going to work in your day. You're not going to get your... Let me tell you, you can be as devout a Lutheran as you want, but you'll never get rapturing faith out of the messages they preach in a Lutheran church. That's just the way God set it up. <laughs> and, and God gave Luther a real message that delivered the bride in that day, but he didn't put any rapturing faith in it. But in the last day, when the message came out to us, in the last day, when God decided to send it out, he said, Hold it! We're going to take a little bit of rapturing faith and sprinkle it in there. And we're going to fill all that up. It's all going to be tainted by rapturing faith. Now let it go. And God gives us a message. And it's the only one that has rapturing faith. Because we're the only ones that got to walk off the face of the earth. We're the only ones that are going to leave in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Because God put that in there. He didn't put it in the light of any other age. He didn't put it in the word of any other age. It's God that gives us light. It's God that gives us a particular light for a particular time. And what other people had, it worked for them in their day, but it won't work for us now. May God help us all to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit and the light for this day. Let's stand to our feet. Thank God for somebody who led Ethan, but thank God for Ethan who had eyes to see and know where to go. Hey, listen, we're not depending on Brother Branham the man to lead us into the rapture. I believe that Brother Branham did what God wanted him to do, and I believe he did it faithfully and completely, and then God took him. And if he had not done it, God would not have taken him, but he did take him. And in the whole process, saints of God, it's not, I will tell you this, it's because we're so close to the capstone, you're able to see with your own eyes what any other age couldn't see, and be able to seize the prize on his own. Oh, thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Let's sing that this evening here, whatever key we're in. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. And thank you, to me thy great salvation so rich and free sing it again now oh thank you Lord for saving thank you Lord 
for making me whole. Oh, thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free leave it in the same key thank you thank you lord for saving me thank you thank you lord for setting me free I was lost, now I am found, now my soul is heavenward bound, thank you, thank you Lord for saving me, oh now thank you, thank you Lord for saving me, thank you, thank you Lord for setting me free, once I was lost, now I'm found, now my soul is heavenward bound. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Oh, now thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. And thank you, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. And once I was lost, now I am found. Now my soul is heavenward bound. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Oh, and thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for setting me free. And once I was lost, now I am found. Now my soul is heavenly bound. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Oh, something in my heart like a stream running down Makes me feel so happy and happy as can be When I think of Jesus and what He's done for me There is something more than gold in my soul, yes, there's something more than gold. Oh, yes, oh, yes, there's something more than gold. Oh, yes, oh, yes, there's something soul, yes, there's something more than gold. Oh, now something in my heart, like a stream running down. It makes me feel so happy, as happy as can be. When I think of Jesus and what He's done for me, 
there is something more than gold in my soul. Yes, there's something more than gold. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's something more than gold. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There is something more than gold in my soul. Yes, there's something more than gold. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. There's something something more than gold. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and the light that we walk in in the last day. But Lord, we know that walking in the light carries with it a command. And if we are children of light, then we should walk a certain way. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that. I pray that you would order our steps, O God, that we could walk in a way that's pleasing unto you. Father, take control of our lives in a greater way. Lord, that we might not be guided by natural sight. That we might not be influenced by things that look good around us. But help us to look like you look at the inside of the inside. We commit our ways to you, Lord. Every day, in all the ordinary type decisions we make, we commit our ways to you. We thank you, Lord, for these that have come tonight, Lord. And may we learn and may we grow and may we apply. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Order my steps in your word. God bless you tonight. Good to have you. Good to have Micah. I saw him back here. Good to have you with us tonight. And each one of you, may the Lord bless you richly as you go tonight. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Order my, my steps in your word, dear Lord. Lead me and guide me Father, I pray Order my steps in your word Please order my steps in your word I want to walk worthy Thy word, please order my steps, Lord, and I'll do your blessed will. The world is ever changing, but you are still the same if you'll order my steps. Sing it again as you go tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Order my steps. Lord, lead me and guide me ever.
Steps. Yeah.